folks, and this is a slightly new and different setup for the Backmarkers F1 show, but this is only temporary. Shaker is, of course, embarking on his Europe trip as we speak, so we just move locations for the next two or three episodes or so, so don't panic. Just something temporary, but it's still myself and Tyler McDonald, and we're here to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah, Shaker went to Italy before the Monza Grand Prix, which was <laughs> poorly timed, but I mean, whatever, he gets to go to Italy, so that'll be fun for him. Pretty disappointing for Italy right now, too, with uh, what happened with Ferrari. Yeah, that's. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that discussion, but obviously initial thoughts are, come on, <laughs> really? Like It was such a great race, and it just got taken away from us almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously I was there uh, in, in person, and... How did you enjoy the experience? Yeah, it was it, good. I mean, you've been to a ton of Canadian Grand Prix now, but... Uh, this one kind of spark a difference either way, and I see you got a brand new Renault hat, <laughs> Danny did. Rick. Yeah, I was looking, uh, I was on the search for an Alfa Romeo one because they were really nice, but they were already sold out by Saturday. Oh, geez. Yeah, we'll get into that too because the racing, well, I guess we can talk about it now. Racing Point had a supply issue. They had zero yeah. merchandise all weekend. Which is interesting because one, it's their home Grand Prix, which the commentator said home Grand Prix, so I guess you can officially call it, it's a Canadian team, even though it's they're based in... In England, they're a Canadian team. So For sure. I, I guess that's official because that's what Sky Sports says. Um, so you think, obviously, wow, this is a great way to sell merch in our home race. But uh, even though Lauren Stroll, the, he deals with um, clothing. Doesn't he deal with clothing? Yeah, well, I think that's what he's known for. And he might have some sort of ownership in Tommy Hilfiger and those Michael Kors, I think. There were some right. other well-known brands, you know. But yeah, but I mean, this this guy is known for this stuff, and they couldn't get clothing, as he said, to to Montreal, which is unfortunate because I'm sure a lot of people would have loved some Lance Stroll hats and shirts and whatever. But uh, yeah, definitely not good money sense from from Racing Point. No, I, much I mean, better on the track. Much better for sure. I I just don't understand how you miss that. It's like you said, it's for sure their home race, and they got a Canadian driver. And to just not have any, like they had zero. It yeah. was it was zero merchandise. Last year they had merchandise. And the way it was set up last year is every team had their own little window, like a little shop section. So, you know, all the way from Williams to Ferrari. And this year only the top three teams had uh, an actual store. And there was a couple of little pop-up shops around, around the Grand Prix where I got this Renault hat, for example, and there was a couple of McLaren things. But I, I just felt like there was a big shortage in merchandise this year, which was really unfortunate. Um, there was plenty of Red Bull and Ferrari, uh, Mercedes stuff to buy, but the prices went up a lot. And other than that, there wasn't much to go around. Oh, F1's never expensive, is it? No. Come on. <laughs> no, which is why the whole penalty decision just makes it even more frustrating. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I guess we should go in chronological order of this race yeah. because we could, we'll, we could go on for half an hour about that decision, but... Um, Let's start with, with the race start and qualifying. We saw an unbelievable performance from Renault. They really looked like they had the car set up for, for Canada. Um, their straight line speed was remarkable, and Danny Rick really threw in the corners and got the most out of that car. Uh, and it continued into the race weekend because they had a great start as well. Good battle between the Red Bulls and Renault to start things off, and then, of course, Red Bull got the better hand of it. But uh, if you're Renault, you're looking going into their home Grand Prix thinking... Hey, we've got a shot at, at doing some some big damage in the future here, and I think it's a huge confidence boost for that whole team. 
I think they're expecting another upgrade too in uh, in France. Oh, um, so yeah, this was a good step for them. And Ricardo qualified fourth, which was very impressive. Um, you know, when we were following it there live in person, you kind of missed. I mean, we obviously knew that Vettel was on pole. Yeah. But it was kind of hard to see on the screen the the timing uh, tower. And then after I found out Ricardo was in fourth, which was really impressive. Uh, I think he was ahead of both Red Bulls, hmm. and uh, I think he was ahead of. Uh, Valtteri as well, right? Yeah, he was ahead of Valtteri because Valtteri had that spin in qualifying. Right, yes, yes. And then uh, lost one running in, in Q3 and then just couldn't get the car stuck in uh, on his final run in Q3. Yeah. I mean, he ended up fifth or whatever, but still they yeah. got beat by Renault. No, I mean, it, it was good for them, and they've had a really rough couple of weekends too. So along with Racing Point, this might be a turning point. No pun intended. Uh, ooh, points. Um, it could be because, uh, again, another poor qualifying. They just don't have good qualifying trim. Uh, but their race trim is fantastic. And the strategy they use to get to keep Stroll out on the hards for a, a crazy amount of time uh, really you know, flung him up the track in terms of track position. Uh, obviously, he did a great job driving the car himself to, to get that far, and he ended up in a, a great points finish for him. He was, you could tell on the radio right after he was very happy about the performance and getting points at home, especially after last year's turn yeah. or uh, lap one disaster. So huge for Lance Stroll, huge for Racing Point. Uh, maybe a, another track that will suit him as well uh, in Paul Ricard because it does have a lot of, of long straights there as well. Yeah, yeah, he did 45 laps on that first stint, mm. um, came in afterwards, and he, he was another one that was kind of difficult to follow because we were obviously so focused on the, the Hamilton-Vettel battle. But for him to get P9, I mean, he qualified 18th and then started P17 because of some of the penalties. Yeah, uh, Magnussen starting from the pit lane too, yeah. So, and I saw the radio after uh, after the race, and he was super excited. That's the most mm. animated I've ever heard him on the radio. Yeah, he's not the most animated person no. on the radio usually. Yeah, which is nice to see finally. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate Perez couldn't get up there a little bit further. But uh, he said that this might be a turning point in, in terms of his season. So, let's hope so. But to get ninth and, and in your home race again, which is good. He scored two out of the three times in his home Grand Prix so far. So... It's not bad odds, yeah. Uh, if, if you're Lance Stroll, um, let's let's back it up to, to turn one and the incident between Albon, Grosjean. Well, I guess Grosjean wasn't really in it. Um, uh, I think Perez was uh, was there. Yeah. Anyways, Albon ended up losing his front wing, um, and Grosjean ended up taking Albon's front wing <laughs> right in the helmet and it was, like punched it out pretty much the... beside him. And he had to get that out, and he kind of had to take evasive action. I don't blame him. He's got a front wing. He's trying to somehow. Yeah. Uh, but that really wrecked Grosjean's race because he, obviously that, that's hard. It's hard to get back on track at the end of turn two if you kind of miss turn one and had to make that tight turn while everyone's flying around you. Um, and and he couldn't really recover from there. I found, and that's disappointing for Grosjean Haas because, I mean, kudos to Haas for getting Maxson's car back up and running for the race. Uh, but they were really relying on Grosjean to have a good performance and uh, just kind of on the wrong end of the stick in turn one, and then he couldn't uh, couldn't pull some magic in the rest of the race. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think Grosjean is one of the most annoying drivers on team radio. Yeah, he, he is. complains about everything. Like when Perez overtook him, I mean, Grosjean should work for the race stewards. I think he'd be perfect with the way they decide things because if that was, he wants the stewards to look at that overtake. I mean, 
There's nothing wrong with that overtake. It was, it was clean. Great. Yeah, it was a great overtake. Yeah. So he he complains way too much on the on the radio. It, it's it's just ridiculous. But I mean, with Magnuson, obviously they went the wrong way with the setup, but. There wasn't much that they could do after that crash. I think, yeah, anything was a setup at that point. It's just putting the car together. Yeah, and I love what, you know, Gunter Steiner said to him on the radio because Magnussen was complaining. Yeah. It was the worst experience I've ever had. And But Magnussen, after the race, did say, um, you know, to the team, you know, apologies for what I said earlier. You guys did fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. So so he, it was very unlike Kevin Magnussen to, to say that about his team because he's very much a team guy. Um. But you could tell after the race, once the motions calmed down, that I mean, this was on the the in lap, so it wasn't even. You know, we don't know, have no idea what he said to his actual team afterwards. Yeah. Um. But you could tell that you know he, he felt bad about the comments he made. Heat of the moment, everyone gets adrenaline at the heat of the moment, and he's driving 200 miles an hour around a racetrack. I don't blame him for having crazy amounts of adrenaline um, and being frustrated. But it was nice to see him, you know, apologize afterwards, and you can tell he, he didn't mean it. So it, it, good for K Mag. And hopefully he can rebound in France. Yeah, I just like from the perspective of, of Gunter Steiner as the team boss to kind of just step in and say, hey, yeah. you know, we worked really hard to try and get this car back together in a short amount of time. So stop complaining. It's hard for everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It, it, that's what he had to do. And um, it'll be interesting to see when, uh, not Road to Glory, but... Um, oh, Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. Road to Glory is the, <laughs> what, the, the F1 game. Um but it was interesting to see when Drives to, to Survive comes out next season because uh, you would think they would have that moment uh, maybe for Haas. Yeah, for um, sure. And put, to put that in the uh, in the show and see, see what happened. Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, good for them. So, yeah, but I agree. I don't blame Magnussen for feeling that way, and especially no. as a racing driver. Um, that's a difficult situation, but... I think that really messed up the whole weekend, and he was pushing in Q2, and, it, you know, you were, I was telling Shaker when he was there at the track on Sunday, I was like, remember when Tyler said that somebody was going to get in the wall of champions? Okay, a few people did. Yeah, so but, few, you know, future champion, Max Verstappen. He bumped it, yeah. He bumped it, he, well, it kind of ruined a little bit of his practice. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Magnussen was the big one, Um. and I feel like someone else also hit the wall of champions as well. I just can't think of who it I was. I think Giovinazzi got really close. Yeah. Someone had a lot of a lot of um, paint and concrete in their tires, I remember. Um, I just can't remember who it was. But anyways, it wasn't a, a champion. Mm-hmm. There's only two champions on the grid. <laughs> so it wasn't one of them. Although yeah. Hamilton did crash, um, which was rare to see him right do at, that. Right at our grandstand that we were sitting oh. at. Yeah, so we got to uh, see a good view of that. Yeah, I heard the the bump after he hit it, and I and it was difficult to see because it was right on the edge where uh, you exit at a turn nine. But I knew right away because you could hear it. Yeah. And then I saw it on the screen, but I thought it was going to be more damage. But yeah, he ended well, up. Well, I think there right. was more than we thought because they had to take the whole rear end out. Well, yeah. off and I mean, no gearbox change, which was fortunate for him, unfortunate for F1 fans <laughs> that wanted to see a Hamilton fight through the field in an exciting yeah. race. We got an exciting race anyways until the last 15 laps, 20 laps. Um, but that was it for the Wall of Champions. I'm, I'm glad yep. he got someone. Yeah. Well, it was just weird the way he spun afterwards. I haven't ever seen that before, I think. Yeah, he got a puncture right away, and then it. he tried to catch it, and then it just ended up going on him. So. Yeah. Um, how impressed were you with McLaren? Because, you know, on that first lap we saw... You know Norris get overtaken by Verstappen and then come right back and get him down the straight. 
um, and he seemed to be doing very well throughout the race. Science, on the other hand, wasn't that great. But then, of course, Norris had, you know, overheat brakes that end up melting his suspension. Yeah, crazy. Uh, which was wild, and uh, he ended up retiring. And they just, <laughs> they just left the car on the side of the road for the whole race. Yeah, I saw that afterwards. I was so surprised. Yeah, because that's. I mean, a you, car could easily hit into that. Well, that's, and Giovinazzi spun in that area and almost hit it. Yeah. Well, not almost hit it. He was probably fifty feet away, but it could. He could have hit it. Um. So it was surprising that they didn't remove it. I guess they felt it was far enough away, but I don't know. I I still think you you got to remove it in that scenario. And I was kind of hoping for a safety car at that point because it would have changed up the strategies a lot. Because I I think a couple of runners just pitted. Um, and we would have had a, a very interesting strategy on our hands. Yeah, but, for sure. You know, they ended up just leaving Norris's car sitting there the whole race. Yeah, I don't know what the decision was. I mean, I guess that runoff area is large enough, but that's always dangerous. There's a tractor right there, right next to the pit lane. I feel like they could have wheeled that out of the way fairly quickly. They just wanted a boring race. Yeah, clearly, no safety car. Yeah, that's a usually there's a safety car every year in in Canada. Yeah, um, especially on lap one or whatever but uh everyone was somewhat well behaved yep um moving on to red bull um an okay performance by them it looked like Gasly was trying to find you know actually could find some pace uh verstappen had a bad qualifying got kind of screwed because of the whole kevin magnuson crash yeah um but ended up being on a good strategy in the end and running pretty far on those hard tires he got the choice of choice of tire and with penalties i think he started ninth so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, still ended up finishing fifth place. It was the last car on the lead lap, <laughs> yeah. which is surprising. Like every car but the top five got lapped, which was yeah. not usually what you want to see. But um, they had an okay weekend, I thought. Not, obviously not exactly where they wanted to be, but you know they showed some good pace throughout the weekend, and you, th- you thought they'd be a little closer than what they were um, just through qualifying and how close they were to the Mercedes and everything. They always seem to struggle at this track. Um, obviously, we know the power de- deficit has become a little bit, um, has sort of leaned out a little bit now with Honda because they are bringing more power. But Canada in this turbo hybrid era, they sort of struggled at. Um, obviously, Ricardo did win there in 2014, but it was kind of a crazy race that saw him uh, benefit from a couple of cars retiring. But yeah, I think the qualifying really would have hindered it. But I think Max said that even if he would have started P3, he probably would have finished P5 in the end. Right. So it seems like that was probably the best they could have gotten. Um, you know, it was kind of pretty disappointing from Pierre Gasly to finish eighth. Um, you know, to, to yeah, I didn't realize he was that far down. The two Renaults finish ahead of him was pretty disappointing that he couldn't split at least one of them or be right behind Max in, in yeah. sixth. So. Good for Renault, but I think disappointing for for Gasly, who had kind of a more positive couple of weekends heading into heading into this race. They score equal amount of constructors points there too, fourteen apiece. Yeah, yeah. So Red Bull won't be happy about that. Obviously, no. like Renault is not is not close to them, but still. Yeah, and Renault with their finish moved up to P five in the constructors, yeah. which which is really good for them because they were way down at the I bottom. I think they were ninth. Yeah, they or were eighth or something like that. I think around eighth or ninth. It was, it was yeah. very close to the bottom and. Daniel Ricciardo, again, uh, really, I think, outclassed Nico Hulkenberg in this mm-hmm. weekend. And his battle between him and Valtteri Bottas, even though... Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, and Valtteri got by him eventually, but the way he was defending and, and being able to hold off the Mercedes was super impressive. And if Renault can improve their car, that's what we're going to be able to see from... 
absolutely. From Ricardo, that's what we're going to be able to see from Ricardo in the future. So that was nice to see him because the last couple of races we really haven't been able to see the old Daniel Ricardo. No, we haven't. He's been kind of still getting used to the to the Renault, but you can tell he got he had his Danny Rick mode and attacking all the corners that I mentioned earlier on. Seemed really confident throughout the race, and I think he just likes Canada as well. It kind of suits him. He can break late and turn in hard, and that's kind of the Danny Rick style with those late-breaking corners. So perfect scenario for him, and we'll see how they improve in their home Grand Prix in France next, uh, well, in two weeks. Yeah, that will be a big weekend for them for sure because uh, home race, obviously all the eyes will be on Renault, yeah. the customer side of it as well. So they're hoping for some positives to come from from that track as well. Also, Grosjean and Gasly's home race. Right. Yeah. Um, so they'll be looking to improve big as well because I think they both crashed on the first lap last year. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think most of the French drivers did last year. Yeah. Was yeah. there? Is there only two French drivers last year or was there three? Ocon. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about him. I think he also crashed as well. Yeah, I think yeah. he did. I remember no French drivers finishing the Grand Prix. Yeah. So he must have got out somehow. Yeah. Um, and another driver I wanted to talk about when I guess the sort of driver of the day conversation comes out, you could maybe include Daniel Kvyat in that conversation. Yeah, he had a fantastic overtake on Carlos Sainz uh, after well, Stroll got Sainz on yeah. the straight, gave Sainz kind of a bad run through the wall of champions, the, the last chicane, um, and Kvyat had a fantastic run and, and dived down on the inside and somehow he got that car slowed down for turn two because yeah. I didn't think he was going to. I thought he was going to go way wide, more, like wider than what he did. It looked like Sainz maybe could try and sneak one back up uh, going into turn three, but just so much grip on that Toroso on the outside, it, it, it flung away. It was a fantastic overtake by Kvyat. And once again, he's proving it, that he, he can drive in F1. And I think he's been um, the most impressive driver so far this season. Um, Along with Bottas, so, you know, obviously, obviously Bottas. But um, if you're, you're not if you're not talking about the, the top three teams, he has to be up there, and you have to be thinking if you're Pierre Gasly, maybe Danny Kvyat it could slide in there. Maybe they think you know Gasly is just not ready for that that top Red Bull spot. It's going to be very interesting to see because Red Bull is always keen to do this. Yeah, I think Kvyat. I would agree. I think he's driven really well this season. And he had that maybe one mistake you could say in China, which I, I don't even really think it was necessarily his fault. It was that lap one kind of uh, incident. But when I looked at the Toro Rosso's on track this weekend, they looked really strong. They looked really good in the corners. I was a little bit disappointed with where they qualified because I thought they'd be a little bit higher up. But obviously, Albin had the tangle in the lap one, which kind of messed up his race because he really wasn't able to gain anything back after that. But Kvyat made a decent run through the field and got the one point, which is decent for them. But uh, yeah, I don't know if Red Bull would would go down that direction again with Kvyat. But I think that they're looking at Pierre Gasly very closely. And they're expecting some results for him. And like you said, we know Red Bull is not afraid to change drivers in a second. So just a question of whether they want or they think Kvyat is ready again to be in that Red Bull seat. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it'll be interesting because you have you have a unique scenario with all these Red Bull drivers coming up, and you know Kvyat's impressed. Um, Gasly hasn't so far, and Kvyat has driven that top seat before, um, and maybe they'll think maybe now he's ready. Uh, so we'll see how these things move on. I don't think a change will be made until the summer break if that happens. So 
I think he has until that time too. Yeah. Until Helmet Marco maybe looks at his decisions and sees who he can bring in. Yeah. But I mean, it's tough for him, right? Because their car isn't as great as as it has been in the last couple of years. But at the same time, Verstappen has still been able to get some good results, whereas Gasly hasn't been able to find his rhythm yet. Yeah. And we're at race eight now. We're we're in France, so like I said, summer break's not that far away. It's it's what two, three, four races away. So yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that he's on the chopping block just yet, but I think that, I mean, there's rumors that Nico Hulkenberg might come in and replace Pierre Gasly, I think, at the end of the season, but oh. I really think those are all just rumors at this point. I think that's a rumor. I don't think that Red Bull would do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I They're, think Hulkenberg and Ricardo are there until 2021, for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think Renault wants to hang on to those two guys. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and so what else do we have before we get on to, obviously, the main topic? Because <laughs> that was pretty much the main talking point. I mean, up until then, it was a fairly kind of straightforward F1 race. There wasn't too much action going on. No, but it like it was really exciting to watch Hamilton chase down Vettel. I know there wasn't like the overtakes that we were looking for, but still there was that anticipation of when he's going to get past and the close down and, and you know, how when's this overtake going to happen? Last five laps, last 10 laps. Is yeah. it going to happen at all? It was really interesting to watch, um, and then, yeah, that happened. Yeah, so let's get into it. Um, when, so what we usually do at the, at the race is around lap fifty or so, we leave wherever we're watching, and we go to the casino straight because eventually you want to run onto the track to watch right. the watch the podium. So we left just as Vettel went off track. Like, I was watching it, and I saw Vettel had went off track. Was, did he go off track at your corner or the next one? Uh, he went off track at three and four. So, so it was, before you. Yeah, two corners before uh, yeah. it, where we were sitting. So once I saw it, I was shaking my head because up until that point, he was managing the gap. And early in the first stint, he was able to have a good, decent gap over Hamilton. Yeah. And then Hamilton was closing a little bit. But Vettel was always able to maintain his, his pace and maintain the gap but you know from a fan perspective being there it was exciting every time they came through because they were very close and it's like you said it's what we wanted to see from last year and then was something that we haven't gotten this year right and then when i saw on the big screen that he went off and the commentators were saying oh you know he's off but he still maintained the position but yeah maintained the position and i mean it's it's a tight circuit montreal there's not much room to go hamilton was on and obviously trying to capitalize on the outside there was room there to keep going um, it would have been tight, obviously. They were tight when when uh, Hamilton backed out of it. Yeah. Um, and it just looks like Vettel was, was catching the slide through the grass. I mean, it's grass. It's slippery. Um, I was watching this video, Chain Bear F1. I think I've mentioned him on podcast before. Unbelievable YouTube, uh, yeah, YouTube creator who does kind of F1 explanations on, on certain things and uh, is very informative to watch um he did this thing about runoff areas Mm -hmm. and how the most grippy runoff area is just regular tarmac and then it goes i think gravel was you know uh, better than or better than grass but not as good as tarmac because you can still kind of you're only losing speed on the top spot and then grass doesn't really do much it's it's very slippery it's it's not really a the most safety best safety 
runoff area. I know that doesn't, that's not good English, but <laughs> whatever. I get it. You get it. You get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, so it's slippery. It's hard to catch the car coming through the grass and the way he, he angled it. I mean, he's trying to catch the slide, got through the grass, was lucky not to fling back and hit, not only hit the wall, he would have nailed Hamilton. For sure. Probably took them both out of the race. Yeah. Which I mean, Charlotte Leclerc would have won, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. He, he, he couldn't do anything else. Yeah. I don't know what else he could have done. He's more fo- he's I think at that point he's not focused on keeping the position. He's focused on keeping the car in the race. And then figuring it out at that point, okay, let's see what how I can get back here. Um and, and, and there's no fault to Mercedes. I think a lot of people are gonna be upset with Mercedes for you know, being like, Well, it's a un, it's an unsafe re entry. Uh, l- make sure you look at that. Fry would have done the same thing. They would have every com- team. They, yeah. Every team would have done the same thing. He would have complained. That's it, just the nature of the team. Um, so I, you can't blame Hamilton, obviously, at all. You can't blame Toto. Um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate decision, isn't it? Because it wasn't. It's not worthy of a five second. It's racing. Yep. That's it's it's hard racing. Hamilton forced Vettel into the mistake by pressuring him. Vettel made the mistake, recovered. Just enough. Hamilton avoids the collision, and uh, they keep racing. And Hamilton would have had a great run through uh, through the the hairpin going to the, down the straight because Vettel would have had grass all over his tires, mm-hmm. and that's that's where probably he could have overtook. Would have had DRS. Yeah, he would have had everything, but that's that's not how it went. They went with the five second penalty and ruined the race. Yeah, and I just wanted to read because this came out that one of the things, the stewards' explanation because they had some extra telemetry that they saw. It was a second steering input from Vettel after he read the re-enter the track, and I'll just read this part. It says the footage clearly captures Vettel correcting an oversteer, which you just talked about. Yeah. Moment as he rejoins the track, which is shown by a sharp steering wheel movement to the right by the German. So that's him steering into the oversteer, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Every button said that. Karun Chandok said that. Every driver said that. Yeah. Uh, So then it continues to say, shortly after that, however, Vettel has dispatched the oversteer and begins steering to the left to follow the direction of the circuit, suggesting he is now under control. So we're all good until that point, right? Yeah. But a split moment later, rather than keeping to the left, Vettel is shown to release the steering wheel, which allows his car to drift to the right, cutting off the route that Hamilton would have taken had he had clear space. The movement to straighten the wheel, which put Vettel into the path of Hamilton, is believed to be key in the unanimous decision by the stewards to punish Vettel. So here's here's the problem I have with that, though, is the telemetry, what it's saying is, he had the oversteer re-entering the track, which he steered into and corrected, right? Yeah. And when we go back to this point, it says, um, just here. So he began steering to the left to follow the direction of the circuit, suggesting he's now under control. So once he was under control, he was steering to the left to get back into the circuit. Right. But you, like when he went over the the curb, when he re-entered the track, so he's catching the over t- oversteer. He got the curb. The curb sent him back onto the track where he turned left to go back on the track. But the well, the problem is that the the curb will kick out the back end because it's hopping in, in midair. Right. It, it's in midair. So he's going to have to catch that again. And that's what I think that's what they're saying is him turning left in, or turning right into Hamilton, which is wrong because he's still, he's still not under control. Right. But my point about it is once they say, because he says, suggesting he is now under control. So after he's under control, 
they're racing. Yeah. You can move to the right to block Hamilton. That is well within Vettel's right to do that. You can't move once you're in the braking zone, like, you know, let's say Verstappen and Ricardo did in Baku. Right. But you could move that. I mean, here's an example with the same race, Ricardo versus Bottas. Yeah. I mean, Ricardo was weaving on the straight to block Valtteri's overtake. Yeah, and then when he got to the braking zone, he had his movement to the inside, and uh, and that was it. So why didn't they penalize Daniel Ricardo with a five-second penalty? I mean, was that not dangerous driving as well? Because that, that's what the stewards used to, to do decide this decision. So to me, this evidence really doesn't support their penalty and why they gave it, because they just proved that Vettel had a safe re-entry. Safe re-entry, as, the safest as he could. Yeah. Because the alternative was he would have just let the car go all the way to the right, don't correct the oversteer, and then and, both of them end up in the wall. Yeah, and a dangerous crash because it's probably a T-bone toward, obviously, the side of Hamilton. Yeah. Would have been a very dangerous crash. Exactly. And he had cars following, and, and you know, it could have been very ugly. I think that Vettel did the best that he could to re-enter the track as safe as he could. I yeah. think... You saw that he did look in his mirror. I mean, he made the best effort that he could to re-enter safely. But then after he got control of the car, I mean, he's back to racing. And he need, he wants to defend that position. I think that he he knew Hamilton was there afterward. And yeah, did he squeeze him? For sure that he did. But he's racing. I mean, this is a race. He wants to win the race. He's not just going to park the car, you know, do a blind spot check, let Hamilton go by, and then continue racing. Yeah. So this this whole point by the stewards here... They proved that he was under control. They proved that he did re-enter the track as safe as he could. And then after what happened was just racing. And so that's why everybody's so upset about the pole penalty decision because it was a racing incident. And if we're not going to let these guys race, I mean, what's the point of showing up? I mean, you know, it's very expensive to buy tickets to this race. People that are spending two hours at home watching it, and then all of a sudden it's just taken away because of some sort of stupid decision by probably a bunch of people that haven't raced before because... The consensus among pretty much every driver, 98%, is that it was not a penalty. It was not worthy of a five-second penalty. Yeah, exactly. And it would have been great to see how the, they finished the race. Um, I mean, I know just watching on TV, when, when that graphic popped up, it kind of just... Like, it, it sucked the life out of you. You're like, oh, and I wasn't interested in the rest of the race. Yeah, no, of course not. And when you look at when the penalty was handed out, too, it was lap 58 of 70. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it took you almost 20 laps to make a decision. I mean, maybe not so much. It was around it was 15 like 10, laps. 10, yeah, 10, 10 or 15 laps to make the decision. I mean, if you would have made the decision a little bit faster, maybe Vettel would have had more time to create a gap, which I doubt anyway, um, because Hamilton was closing in on him. But... When you look at it, why didn't Hamilton go to the inside and, and pass him through there? So, in my opinion, when you look at the, the whole incident, did Vettel squeeze him? Yeah, for sure he did. Did Vettel ha- or did Hamilton have to back off a little bit to avoid an accident? Yeah, for sure he did. But all of that is part of racing. And at the end of the day, to give him a five-second penalty, which determined the race, it decided the race, is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think everybody can agree from that standpoint that... If the roles were reversed or if it was other teams involved, it would just be as ridiculous. It's not just because no, it's yeah. Mercedes. No, it's not. It's it's the fact that the stewards and the FIA decided the race for us and they handed Mercedes a victory and stole it away from Ferrari. I got I was really interested in the last couple of laps because when the Alphas came in, I don't know if it was Kimi or Giovinazzi, and I was like, oh, please tell me they're going to like put him out just in front of Hamilton and 
you know, like slow them up a bit or something like that to yeah. kind of let the people have their race. But uh, no, it, it was just him coming in for, I think, <laughs> to retire. I think one of them retired. Yeah. Like that. I was really disappointed, but I was really hoping that like an alpha would kind of meet, meet like metal into the to the race and we'd have this whole controversy. Well, it's already controversy, but even yeah. more of one. Uh, it would have been pretty entertaining to see. And I just wanted to read the tweet from from Mario Andretti because I think he summed it up the best when he said that I think the function of the stewards is to penalize flagrantly unsafe moves, not honest mistakes as a result of hard racing. What happened at the Canadian GP is not acceptable at this level of our great sport. Uh, yeah. And that's Mario that's, Andretti. That's Mario Andretti, and he's spot on as you would think he would be because, well, he's Mario Andretti. Yeah. One of the greatest Legend. racers ever. Um, maybe they should put him in the. Maybe they should have the FIA should be made up of former F1 drivers, or former I, drivers. I don't know who it is, but the I, stewards I should be. Agree. Jensen Button should up <laughs> should be up there. Yeah, put Mario up there. He can be the lead. Yeah, um, put Jacques Villeneuve up there because he'd be entertaining as hell. He just gives Stroll black flags. <laughs> yeah, he would. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be fun. You can put John Her- Johnny Herbert up there. Yeah, he doesn't do much during the Sky Sports. I wish he could talk more because he's he has very good insight, but yeah. he just doesn't have much airtime. He said the same thing too. He, yeah, he was you know really disappointed with the decision, and I think that it, he just says it really well. I mean, the stewards they're not there to police racing incidents. They're they're there to police somebody that's just really unsafe. I mean, yeah. we've seen Kevin Magnuson just somebody that pops into my head make some unsafe moves in the past. You know, something that just blatantly leads to potentially a crash like. You know, Hulkenberg, what he what happened in Spa last year, something that could have led to serious injuries. You know, that's something that should be punished by uh, in-race penalties or fines or uh, Reprimands super license or points. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, Vettel got two super license points taken off for this, which is just ridiculous. Did he? Yeah. What? Yeah. How do you know that? It's just crazy to me, you know, and these are two... Are you sure that wasn't for the post-race antics? <laughs> no. <laughs> which, by the way, was just Unbelievable. amazing. Good for him. That's Man. what we... That's what that's this sport... Because the sport didn't need the penalty, but it did. Need, it needed that. <laughs> it did need that because that had everyone talking. It was all over the media outlets. Um, it was definitely the right thing to do if you're Vettel. Yeah, it's hilarious he didn't park his car down there. One, I thought he was going to storm up, get the elevator, storm up, and start punching FIA <laughs> stewards in the face, but he didn't. He just went to the F- the uh, Ferrari garage, and then I guess. Sky Sports was saying like one of the representatives was like running down to like because he would have got further penalties if he didn't go to the podium i think he would have been disqualified oh is that what it was i think so yeah so i mean obviously ferrari want the the 18 constructors points so like, yeah. oh hold on yeah we need 18 points um so but but what he did with with the position <laughs> markers and one and two was genius fantastic he took a every scenario and he could hear the crowd just be you know roaring i'm sure he I don't know if you when you were were you on the track at that point and did you see that happen from a fan's perspective? We were walking on the track at that point, so I didn't see that until after I left the track. Um, get did, onto the you, race. Did you hear a big roar and you're wondering what it was or like no. you know, obviously like if you're a fan at if if you're at the track you had no idea this is going on. No, I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, it because it was hilarious. It was a whole episode of like a, a, dr- a drama series yeah. in ten minutes. I was like, I was watching perfect tv yeah because last year when ferrari won we ran to the podium because right to hear the italian anthem with with the german anthem was just something that you know i always wanted to experience in person which was super cool but when hamilton won it wasn't much motivation so we're just like yeah we're just gonna walk you know we're just gonna 
uh, stroll because it's almost like a kilometer and a half from where we were to get right. to the podium place. Jenna picking up a DRS sign or something. Oh my God, dude. People were taking everything off. <laughs> everything. I, I've never seen that many people. Like I've seen on Twitter a couple of races where people take DRS signs home, but people just got inspired and they were just ripping off signs. Oh my God. Pointless signs too. Like Liqui Molly was a sponsor. They're taking Liqui Molly yeah. signs. And man, they were huge signs and people were taking them on the Metro. What? Yeah, like guys, they just let him take it. They just didn't yeah. stop him. No, some some security guards did, but others didn't. They got through. Like one guy had a massive Pirelli sign. Two people had to carry it, <laughs> and they were just taking it home. And I mean, I was looking for a small DRS sign, but or when like I saw a, how big a breaking they were, marker, marker like a hundred yeah breaking marker or something. But people were taking like like letter F's and everything, and I'm just like F's from where? I don't know what it stood for, but they were just on the fence. But you, like people were getting up on the on the tire barriers and just ripping stuff off because they were zip tied. Oh my god! Everybody, animals in Montreal. <laughs> they were seriously. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy right That's now. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't see this until after the race, and and when I saw it, I was like, you know, Vettel wasn't my favorite driver before. He definitely is now, and I think the way that he handled it. Uh, that was probably one of the most disappointing moments of his career. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there was talk of retirement from from him and, and questions of whether he would retire. And he said, no, you know, I still love racing and I, and I still love doing this. But he was really defeated after this weekend. And he even said, like, this is not the sport that I, I, I fell in love with and, and grew up and why I wanted to become a racing driver. So I, I would be interested. I'd be really curious to sit in on, on that briefing afterwards and what he really had to say behind the scenes, because I'm sure that he would have said a lot more if he was allowed to. But I think that his radio message after the race kind of sums it up and, and, and to see how disappointed they were. Um, and, and I think he was right. I, I, didn't, I don't think he did anything right in, in that scenario. And Ferrari actually put up a, a flag at their home base because every time they win a race every season, they'll put up a, a Ferrari flag and they put one up at their well, they, uh, they factory. Won, well, they won the race. So. True. Which is the, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe people in the comments going to let us know, but when was the last time something like that happened where... Uh, I think the last time was Lewis. 2008, I think. So where he crossed the line first, but then but got he, demoted? Yeah. Yeah. And it was after the race. It wasn't during the race. During the race, uh, he, I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure if it was 2008. It yeah. could be 2009. It, they, I'm sure people will tell me. Yeah. Um, but... He he was got like he was on the podium and everything like that as he won. It was after the race where they, demo they they gave him a penalty. Yeah, and he got demoted. Hmm. So yeah, it was, it was weird. I don't remember the last time that has happened in race. We saw dramatics like this, which I mean, it's definitely gonna go down in history. Uh, I mean, you we watched F one history because it's one of the most dramatic moments in F one history. Yeah. Uh, we thought last year's checkered flag a, a lap too early was was massive. No, it's going to be nothing compared to this. Right. Yeah, and, and the wrong type of history too, which is really unfortunate. And I think F1's like YouTube video for the race recap had like 22,000 dislikes. Oh, on yeah, like for that. sure. Like it was unreal. Yeah, people were really pissed. And I think everybody was unanimous. Um, yeah, I saw some people that were saying that, oh, like this is vindication now for for the people that were saying that the penalty was unfair. And it's like, well, again, I think that... The, the incident aside, the penalty was just way too harsh. I think we can all agree that Hamilton was squeezed a little bit and had to back out. But again, still, to, to determine the race just by that penalty was just completely wrong. And I don't know if any changes are going to happen in terms of the regulations. They should. I think there needs to be a review. I think maybe the Grand Prix Drivers Association needs to come in and 
sort of etch out the rules a little bit better with the stewards. I really hope. Remember, like, as of last year, two years ago, they did the F1 driver's briefing. They put a camera in there. (laughs) Put a camera in the French Grand Prix driver's briefing. That will be must see TV. Yeah. Um, and I think Ferrari are going to come so small. I think Vettel is going to come back with a massive vengeance in France. I hope so. And it's going to, France is going to be, uh, the French Grand Prix is going to be one of the most watched Grand Prix, I think, this season because of this incident. And I think good track for Ferrari. Yeah. Very good track for Not Ferrari. Not a lot of corners. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, just yeah, pretty much. massive straights. And, and again, when you, when you look at the weekend for Ferrari, they were not the fastest. Um, you know, race pace wise, Mercedes was still had, had an advantage. Uh, straight line speed, obviously, Ferrari was much better. But I saw trackside. I mean, we heard this all year talking about how the Ferrari looks under control. It looks well planted. But I really saw at trackside how it doesn't really stand out to you. Yeah. In the corners, they're just kind of going through the corners, whereas Mercedes is really aggressive and a little bit of oversteer on, on the a- exit of the corner. But they're just so much faster. And, yeah. and you can clearly see it at trackside. So I finally understood what all the commentators were talking about. But even though they weren't the fastest, they still got pole position by a brilliant lap from Vettel. Maybe one of his best uh, yeah. of his career. Fantastic. And in the race, too, they were holding him off. If that incident doesn't happen, does he hold off Hamilton? Yeah, I think he probably does. Um, because Hamilton had DRS for a number of laps and wasn't able to get him. So I think Ferrari would have been able to hold them off. And... Man, when you look at how difficult their season's been, that's two race wins that they should have had that's been taken away from reliability in Bahrain and now stewards in Canada. Yeah. Just a big kick Maybe in the... Maybe for the French Grand Prix, we'll calculate what the standings would have been. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Interesting for sure. We'll, we'll do that calculation for the French Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, I guess let us know what you think about the incident. I, I'm sure... You have your opinion, and uh, let's use the comments below it's for a, a voice of that opinion. Let's hear what you have to say. If you guys want to argue with each other, go ahead and argue with each other. And uh, it's one of the most controversial moments in F1 history, and especially the last decade, uh, maybe since the multi-21 incident with, yeah. with Seb. Yeah, could be. Um, he's on the forefront of this again. So uh, maybe this time in his favor rather than... I mean, people are on his side rather than the last time they are on Weber's side. Yeah. Um, so let us, let us know what what you think and whether or not uh, what changes you want to see uh whose side are you on or your your view of the incident and uh yeah just 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 rant down below <laughs> yeah i think we'll maybe step aside from the comments and look at them from afar because yeah. it might be pretty and maybe we'll read over some of the best uh best points yeah for sure on in the our french grand prix preview yeah i'm sure we'll still have some some to talk about that uh, yeah. for france but yeah, so you can check out all of our Canadian Grand Prix videos on our channel. We've up- uploaded as much as we could that we took from trackside, free practice, uh, driver's parade, uh, the pit lane walk we did on Thursday before the Grand Prix weekend. You get to see the drivers, uh, or sorry, you get to see a team setting up their cars and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. So check that out. That's all in a separate playlist alongside uh, of this podcast. And we also got our, our pictures up. Uh, we will post that up on Twitter and on Instagram, some of our best shots from the Canadian Grand Prix. And yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good weekend. It was very, very hot, very unusual weather for, for Canada, actually, and this time because leading up to the Grand Prix, it was very cold. It was very wet. I mean, we really didn't have many days where it went over 20 degrees. And perfectly for Montreal in the Grand Prix weekend, it was 30 degrees, 50 degree track temperature for Sunday. It was insanely hot and when you really step on the track especially on the start finish line 
um i mean you really feel the heat rising up from from the track so 51 degree track temperature i think was it 51 yeah yeah yeah. it it was insane so massive respect to the drivers to be able to do all that and all that long sleeve stuff (laughs) because you know we're in shorts and t-shirt and you're struggling yeah but uh they're able to do it so um but yeah i think overall it was uh a good weekend and you know bracing point to me still i still can't get over the merchandise thing (laughs) Maybe we'll have a team store up soon and we can get something from them. Hopefully. I think they're trying to do their online stuff, but uh, yeah, I guess they're focused more on on-track activities, but Lawrence, you got to step up for that, man. <laughs> uh, you can't let that happen again, that's for sure. Anything else uh, guess, from your side? No, that's it. That's I'm excited it. for France. Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, you think Ferrari will be able to take this one? Will, will this be a turning point for them? I think it will be a turning point in the sense of they'll just have so much motivation and focus now. Uh, we see this in sports all the time. It's kind of a, a negative reaction turn or ne- a negative action turns into a, a big positive reaction. Uh, and I think maybe we'll see the turning point of the season. This could completely send Ferrari into a dominant force. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go dominant. They just dominant. Yet, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, one could hope that they'll, they'll regain uh, their form from last season, but Again, a positive weekend, I think, for them in, in that sense, even though it was a track that suited them a little bit more. But France will be interesting for sure. Yeah. And I got some question marks over the new Mercedes power unit as well because we saw them, you know, we thought he wasn't even going to make the grid at first. Yeah. But, I mean, these guys are pretty lucky, I must say. But that's that's what happens in the sport. Luck. It's, yeah. It's you make luck. your own luck too, right? That's true. That's, that's what true. he does. All right. Well, if there's nothing else from you, uh, Tyler... Nothing. All right. I, I'm just excited for France. I think we've let's, covered everything. Let's hear what the people have to say. I'm excited to see what the people have to say too. Yeah. And drop all your thoughts in the comments below. And check out all of our content from the Canadian Grand Prix. We also got all of our stuff up on our Instagram. That's where you can replay the stories that we posted during the Grand Prix weekend. We saw Sebastian Vettel come in on his bicycle, which was really neat. Uh, we saw Kimi Raikkonen as well and Giovinazzi coming into the track. So check that out. I was also able to get Giovinazzi spinning off an FP1. I got that on camera. So that's on uh, our, our YouTube videos with our free practice highlights. And as the usual, subscribe down below. Uh, we're approaching 600 subscribers. So get on that immediately. <laughs> Share with your friends and get, uh, get us up to 600 at least before the, the French Grand Prix. And as usual, follow us up on our social media. And I think we'll do a, a fantasy update on uh, Twitter in, the, in this week as yeah. well. Um, I think we're like dead last in that, right? Yeah, we're not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not one of our strong strong suits of this, uh, this podcast. But thanks for joining us again, guys, and uh, we'll see you for the French Grand Prix preview. Until then, bye for now.